0: How's it going? Good. I, uh,
1: oh, Don, <laughs> where, where to start? Um,
0: oh, well, we could start with sous videing turkey. We oh, we're start getting, with why, why, you had to go to your car. We could talk about <laughs> my dogs or the lawn crew that's at my house. Um, you know, that, that would catch everybody up with our text conversation. <laughs> well,
1: well, let's start with going to my car. Okay. So, so Don, um, you uh, let me let me phrase it this way, like a, uh, like a courtroom drama. Um, prof- <laughs> Professor Schaffner, uh, you, you are employed by a uh, uh, institution of higher education, uh, correct? Yes. Um, have you ever used a uh, purchase card uh, for purchases as part of your, your job?
0: Um, no, because my university uh, lives in the Black Ages. Uh, we are not allowed purchase cards. Uh we we at one point we were given permission to get a quote unquote Rutgers University uh credit card. Yes. All this was was a university was a credit card that said Rutgers on it that was a like a just a regular like <laughs> crappy credit card. For you. It was just it was just yeah, and then yeah. I could I could submit those expenses as I would submit any other expenses. It just was a oh, way. It was like a separate card. It's like here we're going to let you have a separate card from all your other cards that you can just use for um, university business. And even that is kind of frowned upon. You know, here, here's how we work, Ben. If you need to buy a fifteen dollar piece of software for your work. Um, Yeah, you have to get a purchase order. Now, I don't know how much how much software, $15 software you buy for your work. I buy a lot of little bits of software and I believe in supporting independent developers. Um, Ben, they don't take purchase orders.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but our um, could you just have your invoicing department contact our uh, accounts payable? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm sure that I'm sure
0: that's what the independent developers live for for that to happen. Yeah
1: well all uh, right well, so
0: you know anyway so no no this is so 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 that's why I just pay for it and then I either claim it on my taxes as unreimbursed expense or if I use that software for my consulting business that's a consulting expense
1: well see this part's really really interesting um to me I'm sorry that
0: took you way off your story of why you went to your car. no
1: no it's, it's good so so I do have a um, purchase card mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm very envious well yeah except there's um. <laughs> There's things, there are things that come with the purchase card, including multiple redundancies related to receipts.
0: Um, Yes. And so, because because here's the thing, Ben, why would they give you a card to make things easy if they didn't have another way to make things hard? Right. Right. Because, because you might actually be, you know, who knows what you're up to without your receipts. I mean, Ben, I mean, with no receipts, it's madness it's it's it's
1: madness and so don i'm i am currently missing a receipt and it's oh. and it's receipt day today oh, it's receipt day today's receipt day and i am um so so i've you know every once in a while you have a missing receipt form that you have to sign because you're missing a receipt as so long as it's pay, only every once in a while then right right so pay but uh um, I think this is, I think this is biblical where paper begets paper. Um, and uh, we're, I'm making, I'm making receipts from, from wine or water, water. Huh? Food. Yeah, no, that's. Wait not a right. minute.
0: I'm pretty sure you can't use receipts. No.
1: For so, so, but a- anyway, I've got, it's always like down to the last, you know, something hits today and it's the last day. So by noon, I need to have a receipt, but it, this is for, it's a receipt that, I think, I don't know what, and I, like, I don't know where it is. Usually, usually I take my receipts and I have a fancy little app that I use. Oh yeah, me too. That, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh that scans them. And then I yeah. email those. Well, yeah. for whatever reason, well, actually I know what the reason is. The reason is when I got this receipt, I was also late to give a guest lecture and so I was like running. I was hustling. I right. probably jammed the receipt in a pa- in my pants pocket. Pants. Yeah, sure. Who knows? Who knows where the receipt is? So anyway, now I've got to fill out a receipt, missing receipt form. But I'll tell you, in the world of um, university and administration, that I think used to be easier when I was not department head. Now I think I need like the chancellor to sign it or something. I don't oh, yeah. know. I'm going to yeah, find yeah. out. Cause
0: well, whoever's, whoever's directly above you, maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's our buddy, Rich Lynn It could be, no? it could be
1: rich. Yeah. So anyway, missing receipt. I'm now I'm the, now you I'm see, a problem you, child.
0: The, the, the department head, you, normally it's the department head that takes care of that. Right. But, but now who's who, who heads the department head, right? <laughs> who, I mean, <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and, and if it feels weird, if I'm just signing my own missing mm. receipt form,
0: I could see all kinds of problems with that. yeah
1: <laughs> i'm not I'm not saying that that actually might not be the I don't know. This is something I'm gonna learn. I'm gonna learn uh, maybe over the course of the uh, the podcast, I'll give you real-time updates because I've just had to send a message saying, yeah, I don't have that receipt, so let's fill out a missing receipt form for it. So I've just made more work for nine people, basically.
0: yeah. well, and it's a good thing because otherwise you might be stealing ten dollars from the university. Who kn- right right right, right. I mean, how or, much is for a 4 if you can say um uh, like 40 dollars oh, a 40 dollars well yeah. you know the most important thing ben is that we spend at least 40 dollars probably more like 80 or 120 dollars worth of people's time to yeah. make sure that you don't steal 40 dollars cuz that's the most important thing right right
1: 4132 to be yeah. exact
0: yeah, 4132.
1: 4132. Whatever. Whatever it takes. <laughs> ah, excellent. Um, so yeah, so I had to run to my car because I thought just magically maybe I left it in there. Um, and I
0: did not that I, well, I at one, least I could, one of the, that. one of the things that I've started doing, uh, back when I used to have expenses and I used to travel is I would, every time I something got kicked back and I had to do extra work to make it right. I would just like keep track of how much time at my Ooh. hourly rate it was costing the university for me to do that. And I would find a way to passively aggressively put that somewhere in the <laughs> comment field. <laughs>
1: This, is, this was a 12-minute task that just cost the university whatever. That's good. Yeah, exactly. I like, I like it. I like it. So, yeah. So, anyway, that's why I went to the car. I was a little bit late to our podcast today because – and and I – so, I, I sent you a somewhat cryptic message. Let's go back. Um, your message at 8.57 this morning was ready, question mark, and then I responded sometime soon after that at 8.57. I was also saying – Give me 10 minutes. Someone just called me on sous vide turkey uh, and you said save it for the show. So this is the part where we're going to talk about in the show. So I, I actually recorded a podcast <laughs> that episode this Wait, morning. You
0: recorded a podcast yes. in the 10 minutes that I was waiting for you uh, to come on this podcast?
1: Yes. Yes. <laughs> a very short podcast on sous vide turkey. And in fact, we started a little bit before then, oh. uh, but I thought we were going to be done At nine, because that was the, that was the time that, that we were, that we were planning was just half an hour, but it took a little longer
0: because I rambled. Um, well, I mean, that's, but that's part of what you get. You that's know? who I get. Yeah, you get, here's the thing, Ben. There's one show that we have where there's not supposed to be any dithering. Right. It's not this one. And then there's this show. And then there's any other show that you might do where I'm pretty sure there are no rules. Right. Dith- whatever. They invited me
1: as a guest. I do, I follow my own rules. Go your own way. As um I don't know, Ario, Speedwagon, or Hauling Out said, you can go your own. I don't know. Who, do you know that song? We'll, I will find it
0: for notes. I'm
1: going. Oh, Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> Go. Your, that's terrible. The Fleetwood that's Mac uh, fans are, are killing are us.
0: Very, very upset with you right now.
1: Yeah, it happens. I knew I knew a song that said that. Um, so yeah, so I did that. Um, I well, I want to. Well, let's, I mean, let's talk about it now. Let's let's jump. In. This is the show. We saved it for the show. The show is the show. So, so the question at hand, and it wasn't. It was sort of phrased as a risky or not question, but it was more in depth. It was for a food science podcast. What it was: can you sous vide a whole turkey, like a seventeen-pound turkey? And and the answer is yes, but it's it's not probably really sous vide because you've got to like in your home, it's really hard to draw a vacuum on a Ziploc bag. That's that big and pull all the air out of the cavity of like, I think it's difficult to, to actually sous vide it. Um, And even, and I'll, I'll link to, uh, or we'll link in show notes to um, something that Inova has on their website uh, on this where they really just show it in a big Ziploc bag and you're placing it in water bath for 24 hours. So it's really interesting. So anyway, take a look at it. I said, you could do it. And I think that it's because you're going to get the, you know, we talked about Clostridium perfringens risks through the like come up temperature time, talked about, can you cook it to just 150 degrees Fahrenheit? So I shared appendix a with them. Um, so anyway, we, we went through the whole thing, but yeah, sous vide, a whole Turkey, but and Don, I don't know why anybody would do this because you still have to like roast it for like an hour afterwards anyway, because you want it to be Brown and not just a, like a, White gray mess of turkey, which is what it would look like after 24 hours of water bath in an immersion circulator. Yeah, it just cir- it yeah. just
0: it just seems ridiculously stupid. Like, why would you do it? Like, I could understand if you want to a sous vide a turkey breast.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. Um, so it's that like that's doable. And in fact, we talked about that. You know, maybe a better way to do this is to break down your turkey, do it in pieces. Um, but it seems like a lot of, I don't know, it seems like a lot of extra work.
0: Oh, a ton of extra work, extra risk for what, what is the benefit, right? Yeah. I don't yeah, know. Break it, break. I would say, I would agree hundred percent, break it down and then you can sue me parts of it. Um, you know, but, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it just seems needlessly complicated and needlessly risky Yeah. Uh, for no benefit and
1: messy. Like that was the thing that we talked about um, on the, on the podcast, um, was, you know, what, what are the risks? I mean, like, you know, the time, if you were going to cook it for like two or three days, I'm worried about the come up time. If it was really low and use different, you know, time temperature combinations. Um, but really just putting a whole Turkey in a bag is like messy, right? Like the, the juices that, that, you know, it, anyway, uh, but, but I've been a good, it's a good, um, it's a good question because people are doing it right. Like we, um, just because people are doing it doesn't make it right, but because people are doing it, we should talk through the risks. So that's, that's what I did. Um, and it was, so this was a lovely podcast. Um, and it was with, um, my friend, um, and, uh, a friend of, um, I, I guess a friend of our, our show, um he's a food scientist um his name is Keith Harris he's a professor here in um at NC State and he co-hosts this um this podcast with two other uh folks um Paige Luck who also is a friend of mine and a student uh, Teresa Rosoli and so Teresa I've, I've just met a couple of times but it was really it's good so check out the podcast I will link to it in show notes I assume that they're going to have it edited before Thanksgiving, which might be around the same time that this, this current podcast drops that you're listening to here at food safety talk. Uh, but their podcast is called wolfing down food science, which is a play on, you know, right. Like we're we're the wolf pack and see what they did there. Yeah. Yeah. That's too
0: clever clever by half. Uh, but, but I'll allow it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's cute. It's cute. So, it's
1: cute. um, anyway, they, yeah, I've, I've listened to a couple episodes They actually had a really, I, I thought was a really, um, a really cool one. If you want to start somewhere on this that I thought was awesome. The, there was an episode back in October about chewing, like the biology oh, cool. of chewing yeah. and texture. It was really, really cool. Like stuff that food safety nerds would love. So yeah. it was an interview with, um, this, uh, evolutionary biologist, Chris Vineyard. So yeah, I thought it was really, really great. Um, so yeah, that was my podcast, uh, podcast. My, that was the podcast I did before this podcast.
0: Um, I was, I was joking. I was thinking that you were, you, <laughs> but you were actually literally doing the podcast. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it was. It was, uh, so, okay. Another thing I traveled yesterday and the day before, oh yeah, yeah,
0: you made it back. I made it
1: Congratulations. back. Congratulations! Thank you, thank you. This is the second time I've been on a plane in two and a half years. Um, I went to DC, which is one of the easiest. Oh, sorry. Before Before we oh, yeah. move
0: on, can you just can you just please um, communicate to Professor Harris and colleagues? They need to fix the aspect ratio on the art. <laughs> okay,
1: so Don, this is the greatest. When I sent you that link. I knew that one of two things would happen. One is you were going to mention the aspect ratio. Two, (laughs) you were not going to mention it, but you were going to be like, that aspect ratio on the picture is a mess. and, well, and I,
0: I, I, it was it was in, in the text in the text stream. I'm like, okay, it's just it just because of the, the text. And then I loaded the actual page. And it's like, no, it's actually screwed up. So yeah. yeah I mean, I'll, I'll communicate it. I will. Please do communicate it. I can't listen until they fix it. I will. I will.
1: I will let them know. But I I know you so well that I knew that that was the thing that you were going to look at. Um, on that I knew he was gonna because you you mentioned maybe this was somewhere recently where you said that that's one of your hidden talents um
0: yeah or curse whatever yeah
1: whatever it's yeah uh so I will definitely mention that um so yeah so I I went to I went to DC which is like a really easy trip from Raleigh it's it's like a 40 minute flight or less than 40 minutes um wherever usually wherever I need to go in DC, I can take the metro. Like it, it feels very, it feels like I'm commuting somewhere. Um, be, like, you know, like, like if I was taking, if I was driving to a city, uh, that I didn't live in to, to, or that I, yeah, it's like
0: you're, you're Joe Biden on Amtrak
1: before yeah. he was president. Right, right, right.
0: So I mentioned I once saw him on, on Amtrak. You did. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I'm real. I regret that I didn't say hi. Oh. He was just standing there chatting, being Joe Biden. I'm like, that guy looks familiar. I know him. Um, I know yeah. him from the Daily Show. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, So, so I my my trip to DC. I don't think it's like super secret, but I, I, I'll like I won't give all the details just in case someone else will scoop them. But I was filming a documentary on food safety. Not not me. I'm not a filmmaker, but I was being interviewed for uh, a food safety documentary. That that the questions were like all encompassing. Don, I spoke for almost three hours yesterday on everything from leafy green marketing agreement to Jack in the box, to flower risks, to hand-washing in kitchens. Um, You know, one of the things that they asked me to explain was like the, the regulatory, like all of the regulatory bodies that are involved in a taco that you might eat at a Taco Bell, um, you know, so like the just walking through sort of the complexity, but it was it was a lovely experience. the The folks that are the that are um, you know, the director and showrunner and person who did the interview were were really nice, and it was in a um, it, it, like I I stayed downtown. I don't know actually why they had me stay downtown, but then or like not downtown but DC, but like on Capitol Hill. But then I took an Uber to Bethesda to an Airbnb where they shot this. It was like a, a, it was an odd thing. Like the entire shoot was in a kitchen, right? Cause that's where you talk about food safety, but it wasn't my kitchen. So it's going to look really, I don't know, odd, I think.
0: And, and I'm going to feel it's weird. It's a little weird that they put you up at a hotel in DC and they, they're shooting in Bethesda. Right. That's weird too. Like why not put you up at a not as nice hotel in Bethesda. They'd save money and they would shorten the Uber ride.
1: Yeah. And so I wonder if it had to do with, they weren't sure where they were going to shoot until after they'd booked my hotel because they interviewed some other regulatory folks um, as well. Not that I'm a regulatory person, but they interviewed some regulatory people. And then friend of the show, friend of ours, Bill Marler was also interviewed as part of this documentary and he was in DC the day before.
0: Oh so yeah. I, yeah. He was yeah. posting pictures about it.
1: Yeah. 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 So I, yeah, anyway, it all like, it all was, was really interesting. Well now, um, now
0: I'm, I'm really, I'm really upset, Ben. Because FOMO? they called you and they called Bill and they didn't call me.
1: So this is what I really wanted to talk about. So, so I <laughs> not, not this, but I maybe why, no, not why they, they called me, but um, I, I, you know, the show, the showrunner, texted me like some details about what it is that they wanted me to wear um and and That's all, a little weird it was and like i got a little and, you know i mean it all turned out fine but i got a little creeped out like i haven't seen i don't know for sure who these you know people are? They're having me go to like some Airbnb in the middle of the suburbs of Bethesda. Like, am I? Are they going to kill me? Like that. That, yeah. that that thought was going through my my mind. Yeah. And I, and Don, I
0: still went. And and they're, and, they're, and you're still you're still scratching your head about why they wanted you to wear a dress, right? Yes. <laughs> so so I'm gonna read I'm gonna read this. Um,
1: uh, I know you're a pro. This is you're quoting from from the showrunner. But a reminder with doc interviews, you can redo sound bites because we're not live. Try to keep it as conversational as possible and take it where you want. You don't have to answer the question super, super tightly because we have a nice two hour chunk of time to get through everything. Tell us what's most interesting. We have a lot, and this is my favorite part, Don. We have a lot and lot is capitalized. Lot of regulatory interviews in the can. So I'm looking forward to you inserting some energy into this. <laughs> yeah great right yeah exactly in other words we interviewed a lot of boring government people and we need (laughs) need to zhuzh it up right 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 (laughs) regarding wardrobe i think production probably sent along some guidance but from a creative standpoint i prefer a more casual vibe for you maybe a sweater or a more casual
0: less less stiff button down so that, oh, why do they, they didn't have to tell you that, right? Yeah, I mean, no, that's your but, kind of, that's how you roll. But they didn't
1: know me. Like this they is didn't the, know you, Yeah, they didn't yeah. know me. So, so here's the thing. I send this, I snip, I snip a screenshot of that. And I send that to a group text with you and Linda and, and Michelle. And I also send that to Danny. And I'm like, look, you got to help me. I got to go into this thing looking cool. Um, but Like right here, I don't want to be, I want to be the, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be the real cool guy. Yeah. I want to
0: you want, right, to be the, you want to be the the you know like not like uh uh what's his name? Uh hello fellow kids with the skateboard on your shoulders. Exactly. Right? You want to be you want to be the guy that really does look hip and not not pretending to be hip.
1: Right. I've got it like that's a fine line because I'm not hip, right? So so the fine line to walk is look like lo- and, and, and I'm gonna paraphrase a a, a a, um a line from Star Wars or from the Star Wars um uh, uh, trilogies or whatever, three, trilo- whatever they are. Um, you know, l- l- you know, it, the, the line is keep your distance, but don't look like you're keeping your distance. And so my, my line is like, look hip, but don't look like you're looking hip. And so that was what I, what I asked Danny to do. So she helped me put together a, a wardrobe and it paid off on because immediately, when I walk in, um, the director goes, huh, you don't look like I thought you were going to look like you actually kind of look like a hipster. And I was like, yes, I nailed it. it. That's what I was looking for. So, um, so anyway, we'll see how this all, because Don, of course, I I don't, I I don't care about the food safety content. I look,
0: what I'm concerned about is do I look cool you know, in yeah. this documentary, well, we, here's the thing, yeah. Ben, we know that you're going to nail the food safety. <laughs> right. Like that's a <laughs> given. The question is, what else can you do to, you know, to take it to 11 to use another pop culture reference that we like on this podcast, right? Like what, what can you do? And, and, you know, so you're maxed out on food safety, but in the hipster, you know, that you can, you could you could get some more points for that. And I there's
1: think- room to grow, right? I, there's, there's, an, so what, here's, here's what I want to have happen. Um, I want this to be a really successful documentary, like, you know, up for um, Academy Awards, that kind of that stuff, you know? So this is, it's from a big production company. It's gonna be on one of the streaming services, you know, that's out there. It's gonna, it's, it's got its things. So I think it's got a potential here. It's gonna be like taken off then.
0: So what, you, what you're saying is you think it might have legs.
1: It might have legs, it might have, that's what they say in the industry. Then Dawn, I want, I want people to be so smitten with my look and how likable i am not my content but that i get a, another documentary just about me where you and i are part of this together
0: uh, like but, that, but, but i'm the, but i'm clearly the second banana you're the you're the main guy i'm just the supporting what, best supporting actor in the what, documentary i mean your your words
1: don whatever whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it, it was that it's going to be like that uh about that cult.
0: Uh, the <laughs> There's the niche cult. <laughs> no, no, the no, the, I didn't watch that one movie about a cult. No, the one uh the one about the cult in uh, Oregon?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That uh, that was that was there was a that was a good one.
0: Yeah. Um
1: so I love I love a good documentary. Um and uh so I'm I, it was it was it was fun to be um to be part of it. So, so we'll see. And it, and it, and now like, you, you know, you, you and I do this quite a bit, like you kind of do these things and then you don't know, like you forget about it, right? Like it's, it won't come oh, yeah, out for yeah, a yeah. year. And they'll be like, Oh yeah, I did that thing. And this conversation I'm going to have to look back on it because I won't remember that. I just wanted to look cool. Although maybe I will, because that's really all I ever want. It's just, hopefully I look cool doing this thing. Uh, so speaking of looking cool, um, And or trying not to look out of place. So last weekend, I went to Pittsburgh to coach hockey. And on the way there, um, I, you know, my, my older son, Jack and I, we went mountain biking and then we took our bikes thinking, Hey, Pittsburgh is also a great place to go mountain biking, but we didn't anticipate, and this is very Southern Dawn. We didn't anticipate that it would be snowing
0: while we were there. <laughs> I was going to say Pittsburgh in November, um, that would be known as winter. Yeah.
1: Yes. yes. So it was cold. It was, yes. I mean, it, it was right around hover. It, it wasn't snow accumulating on the ground, but it was cold, but we did find an indoor mountain bike park, which was awesome. And um, I didn't die, like I didn't hurt myself. Um, we spent, it, this, this place is called The Wheel Mill, so we'll link to this in, in show notes. Um, but what was, what, what happened while I was there, um, which made me feel old, uh, was that there was the, there is a jump room at The Wheel Mill and there are some old guys there. And by old guys, this is I'll put this into air quotes because it was the people, the young people that were working there um, said um, after an event that had happened in this jump room that, oh, yeah, one of the old guys that was that was biking here was uh, was riding sketchy. And, and so riding sketchy is like a mountain bike term that I had not heard about, or maybe it's a full out biking term that I had just not like heard about, but this is how the conversation went as I was listening. So this guy fell and they ended up like calling an ambulance cause he hurt himself badly. Um, and, uh, and so I'm like, you know, walking around, listening to the conversation conversation is like, Hey, was, was he riding sketchy? And the other guy who was, was there is like, Oh, So sketchy, man. He was riding so sketchy. He was getting real loose out there. And so I tell, I relate that conversation to my son who is 13, who is just entering the world of being extremely embarrassed by my uncoolness. (laughs) Yes. So he goes, I tell him this, afterwards. And he goes, did you say anything? And I was like, no, I didn't say anything. He goes good. Cause if you were use that word sketchy around any of those people, I would never talk to you again.
0: <laughs> Hello fellow kids. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hello fellow kids. I was like, yeah, he's like, he was really concerned that I might've like impacted his potential coolness by like being oh, a yeah. dad. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. yeah. He's like, don't use that. Do not say around anybody Sketchy. You don't you're not allowed to use that term. Well, I don't I don't
0: I don't know what this means, but uh we will link to a YouTube video called riding sketchy lines with Phil at the Mega Cavern. I have no idea what this is about, but I I suspect it's about riding sketchy uh at the mega cavern with Phil, who's mountain biking. (laughs) And and hopefully, I mean, here's the thing. Hopefully Phil didn't get wasn't riding too loose. It doesn't say anything about loose riding. Um, today, skills with Phil and I visit the Louisville Mega Cavern in Kentucky. Nothing about loose, though. No, uh, it's a uh, uh, it's a it's a bike park with jump lines, single track, everything you could ask for. Oh wait, show more. Uh, let's see. Uh, what am I looking for? Loose? Yeah, no, no, nothing. Uh, nothing hey, could have been nothing loose. Could have been going just, on. Some
1: just like Pennsylvania slang for for mountain biking. <laughs> anyway, I'm I am. And although I'm in the mountain biking culture, I'm not in the mountain biking culture enough, at least according to my 13 year old, to use the term "sketchy" in any public setting, except on our podcast, where he well, doesn't maybe control, he doesn't
0: listen. Yeah. right? yeah, and, and maybe you should maybe you should get some clarification. Like, what would what would it take? Like, is is there a course that you can take, or is there a curriculum you could follow Ooh, yeah. to like become sketchy qualified? Yeah, right, right,
1: right. That's great. Yeah. Give me the what's the what's the one on one class that I need? Well, and and I think he's already a little bit nervous that I wear like Vans and Chuck Taylors, but oh, yeah. I was doing that before we were mountain biking. This is, <laughs> right? He was like, doing he's, that
0: before he was born.
1: I was doing that before he was born. Like he's now he's like looking at that like you look like an old guy who's trying to look cool. And I was like, but I was always like an old guy trying to look cool even before you. <laughs> so <laughs> um, anyway, so did you did you say that it, it is? Um, from skills with Phil. Is that the, the name of the YouTube channel that, that uh, you found something?
0: I believe so. So believe skills so.
1: with Phil also went to the wheel mill. So oh, I will we'll link to that, that I just found a um, a video so you can see the thing that I did. And I'll tell you, I did all of the beginner routes. <laughs> I did not do anything hard. It was excellent. I, and I'm really. And you the, weren't the, too loose and you weren't oh, too sketchy, not too sketchy, not too loose. <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but like I, I I tell my kid this, and I don't think he really understands it, or he won't until he's he's a little bit older. But he him getting into mountain biking has pushed me to do stuff that I would not have done that I really am thankful for. Like in in another like I'm, I'm pretty risk averse as we've established on risky or not. And I really enjoy mountain biking, but I'm, I'm still very risk averse. He kind of urges me. He's like, no, you can do this. You could do. And and so he, he kind of pushed me like even this indoor mountain bike. Like when I got there, I was like, well, this is out of my realm and skill level. And he's like, no, you're going to be fine. And so I took the easy stuff or like the beginner stuff. And I I did well. I didn't, I fell one time, but, but it's like, I would not have done it just on my own. Right. Like, which is cool. I don't think he understands that, that his love for this has really pushed me forward to do more of it. And I really like, I
0: really appreciate that. It's been cool. So, well, so I think this is the same guy, but this is not the skill I've, the video that, no, that I've got here is not from the skills with Phil channel, which only has half a million subscribers. It's from the burn peak uh, channel, which has uh 2.36 million subscribers, <gasps> but, but skills with Phil he's, he's all over the place, but it's, he's all over the place. He's like, he's like a, yeah, he's like a, he's like a, a YouTube uh, a superstar. He's on yeah. a lot of channels apparently. <laughs> well, very, very cool. So, oh, anyway. so speaking of chat, YouTube channels, um, have we talked about the try channel? no can i okay is this t r y or t r y um or you can just google irish people try things um <laughs> okay um it's uh yeah it's uh it's it's pretty good uh let's see i will yeah uh irish people try new weird jelly bean flavors um Pop! Oh, no. Try Pop Rocks for the first time. Yeah, I people try Canadian cookies. Canadian cookies. They, at one point, they tried the Canadian chips. I think. <clears throat> yeah. This. This is. Oh my god. This is our go-to at the end of the night when we just don't want to watch anything at all serious we just love some Irish people a lot of t- a lot of times they're drinking things and they get drunk and that's quite funny but even what? if they're not getting drunk it's very funny so it's a, yeah this is a great this is a great channel I, I I've come to and this is something that my wife has turned me on to and it's really it's really it's it's really quite good this seems like something that I'm gonna love <laughs> um what
1: is it i'm sure it is Uh, uh, like i'm gonna this is something that i think would be um appropriate for my home regardless oh yeah 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 yeah.
0: Yeah, it's not uh it's not i mean it it does show people getting drunk irish people getting. oh that's fine yeah but i I, I feel like it's 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 fine and and there. the thing is it's youtube so there's no sub uh no uh subtitles so you really do have to pay attention um because sometimes you can't tell what they're saying but it's just it's it's anyway it's, it goes goes down they're short and they go down easy and they're it's yeah it's it's a delight
1: that is wonderful i'm going to i'm going to check this out um so the last thing you you made me think of something else that i experienced in dc um over the last couple of days so so i had um i, I got i you know I, I wasn't going to a meeting there was no one there that i was like hanging out with so i flew in um you know early two nights ago, well, like I got there at like dinner time and I hadn't eaten, but um, this, you might've noticed in my uh, sharing my fitness with you that I had run like over 10 miles um, (laughs) before one of our meetings on Wednesday. And then I was like extremely hungry. I, like I yeah. I yeah,
0: I did, I did know it's like, well, that's weird. He just finished a workout, but we're we're starting a meeting here. I, uh, and I yeah. did I, I rolled with it, right? I got yeah. there. Um, so I'm it's better I'm, than I'm, I did. I, well, I <laughs> chronically late to everything all week. But it's <laughs> Except good. I was almost an hour early for a call yesterday. So I think that evens it out. That, that's how,
1: yeah. Um, so um, so anyway, I got to got to DC. I say that the um Hyatt Regency, which is not one of my, first of all, not one of my, uh, like no Marriott points right. uh, out of right. that, uh, which is, which was un- unfortunate, <laughs> but, um, I was, I was also hungry. So I started looking on Yelp for places to eat and there is a, an Irish pub that was like a block and a half away. So I walked there. Nice. Yeah. And it was a lovely night, sat outside. Um, and it, the place is called the Dubliner, right? Like as all Irish oh, pubs yeah. are uh-huh. called. Uh, so, um, there, the, like, I, I had like a lovely, I don't know, experience. I'm sitting outside I, and actually texting with you and Michelle and Linda about fridges being full, um, mm-hmm. and pictures on, on you know, on, on the internet about weird things in fridges like deviled eggs. Um, and, um, th- then, you know, th- th- there's like, you know, at nine 30 or 10 o'clock at night at an Irish bar, things start to get lively. People get get real talkative. (laughs) Uh And so I had this really kind of lovely conversation with um, a a guy from the Netherlands who was out smoking and a woman who was like a table away, who is in DC for work um, from Chicago, just about America. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, I'm not going to rehash the whole conversation, but it was like about social programs and how people are really nice and sometimes, and sometimes not so nice, but it was a really odd, like, you know, over the last two and a half years, I don't think I've had a lot of social interactions with people I didn't know outside of my circle. And this reminded me of like, you know what? I'm not like a, hang out with people and talk that I don't know kind of person but it was a lovely conversation so anyway I just wanted to like give a shout out to the Dubliner because it was a really cool spot and there was a really drunk guy there Hmm. that that was not being served by the Dubliner I want to mention this guy like was walking across the street but our server an Irish guy went and helped him brought him over to the patio, got him some water, got him some bread. And then he sat there for a while and and, and he took care of him. It was really nice. So oh. you're, you're, yeah, you're, you're like Irish people trying new things. Maybe think about this really yeah. like lovely Irish server who took care yeah. of a super drunk guy.
0: Oh, that's nice. It was nice. It was nice.
1: So anyway, what's uh, what other like non food safety things you want to want to talk about?
0: Oh, well, I can purport that <clears throat> the uh, lawn crew has left, which is good. Uh, today was uh, fall cleanup day, which meant lots and lots of leaf blowers. Excellent. Uh, and I was a little worried. I thought they did clean up the other day and then a whole bunch of more leaves fell. But I think that was our we're, we're still going to get more leaves. But uh, but they did a good job getting rid of the worst of them. So, yeah. So, no, that's the only thing that I can report. Um, uh, the Bianca is locked here in the room with me because uh, I needed to close the door because it was noisy. <laughs> Um, and, but she's happy now that the leap blowers are gone gives us happy. So no, I think, uh, oh, uh, well, this is vaguely food safety related. Um, yesterday we had the, we celebrated the 75th anniversary of the food science department at Rutgers, which is oh. very nice. Um, the, the, in her opening remarks, the, the Dean called me a rock star, which oh, I, 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 I kind of thought that was very nice. Um, and then uh, Tom Montville gave a presentation and I was the only one in the audience who unmuted and could I correctly identify a psychrometric chart? So I, I had a nice evening last night. <laughs> that's
1: a big, that's good. <laughs> that's really nice. It's, it's, i it, you are a rock star and I'm, I'm glad to do the, this podcast with you. Oh. That's, yeah, that was, that, that's really cool. Um, what, so it was a virtual get together. Yeah, it was, it was zoom. Cause yeah. that
0: was the only way I would, I would have done it. And, yeah. and honestly, it was better because we had people from all over the world that joined us. So oh, that's yeah, awesome. It was, uh, yeah. So it was really, nice. and I get to, I get to reconnect with my, uh, graduate student, former graduate student, Marisa Kaipo, who worked for, um, FAO in, um, uh, uh Latin America oh and so we're going to get together for zoom drinks at some point so uh yeah so she works in uh, uh chile and her husband is in peru where they're from and their son is an architect i think in washington dc so yeah oh that's so awesome we had a we had a we had a real nice uh uh zoom uh text uh chat uh while the meeting was going on <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that's good that, that that's the way to do it Um uh, but that's cool we uh yeah. I'm trying to think what else, what else is going on here? I think that's, that's it for things in my, oh, oh no, there was one other thing I tweeted about this. Um, so I, we've mentioned strong songs on this podcast mm-hmm. um, a couple of times. And I know a couple of our listeners, just because we're Facebook friends have started listening to strong songs and loving it. I listened to a strong songs episode on my way to Pittsburgh last week on, um, uh, the talking heads or talking oh, heads. Cool. Yeah. And so uh, this was, Oh
0: uh, yeah. Stop making sense. I see it. November yes. 3rd. Yeah. So yeah. stop making
1: sense. Have you, do you know, okay, Don, this is going to show how like my date, did you know about stop making
0: sense? Like as a concert film and all of that. Not only do I know about it, I actually saw the talking heads when they were on the stop making sense tour. No so, yeah. Yeah. way. Yeah, way. <laughs> oh my gosh. So
1: this, so, so let I I'm, I'm a sucker for concert films or so, what maybe sucker is not the right word. I just I love the production um of of the, like the art form of a of a concert film where someone knows that they're making something like this. It seemed like this tour was an extreme production of progression of songs just how they're going to bring in different members of the band anyway the strong songs episode goes through that um so it it really talks about like hey they're starting the you know david burton starts in the first song um uh psycho killer just himself on stage with um an 808 drum machine and acoustic guitar and then it progresses over the first six songs to like just a whole bunch of You know, non Talking Heads band members who are adding all of this texture to the to the concert. I couldn't. I like. I can only imagine what it was like in person. Um, because it. it, But this is the thing that that grabbed me. I love strong songs. I know a handful of Talking Heads songs. Oh, you know well because I've listened to the genre that Talking Heads is in. I had never heard the song. Um, Slippery People before Mm -hmm. and the Slippery People version in Stop Making Sense like most of the Strong Songs episode was based on sort of the layers of that song and I've now listened to that song like 60 times Mm -hmm. um, since so much so that my kid was like Mm -hmm. why are you listening to this song so much this is a terrible song. And I was like, you, you don't know, this yourself, is an amazing song. Yeah. It's so good. But, but I like, I really love the um, I think that Paul Simon probably introduced me to this um, with the um, with there. there was a, a couple of concerts that that he put out the concert in the park and then the Graceland con mm-hmm. uh, I think it was a Graceland concerts or it was maybe rhythm of the saints, um, Anyway, the, those they're really layered, like really, really cool songs that made me think of this. Made me think of that. So, anyway, check out if you have it's on Amazon Prime. Um, that's where I watched "Stop Making Sense" uh, and then the strong songs episode on the "Stop Making Sense" Talking Heads. Um, really, it's about the album and the uh, and the documentary or rock concert, um, you know, movie, whatever, whatever it's called. It's,
0: it's excellent. So, yeah, and, and directed by uh, Jonathan Demi, right? Of the Lamb's Fame. So
1: yeah. yes, yeah. He also directed a um, a Neil Young. Um, uh, I think where is it? Oh, maybe not. Maybe it was his brother. Didn't his brother Ted Demi? Didn't he? Didn't he die?
0: I think he might have directed a Neil Young concert film. One of the Demis did. Uh, let's see. No, it says, uh, Neil, Jonathan Demi. um, uh, Neil Young journeys uh, is an American concert documentary, uh, produced and directed by Jonathan Demi.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was really, I really enjoyed that too. So, all right. Um, so we got all that stuff. Um, do you want to, you want to talk about some, uh, some food safety things? Yeah, let's do it. So there's a couple of things that I threw into our, um, uh, that I wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah. And I put some things in the Dropbox too.
1: So the first one. Um, oh well, the first one, um, I guess a callback to our friend, uh, uh, Bill Marler, second mention of the, the episode, but there's a really mm-hmm. nice Washington post article that I think it's in. Um, I, th- I mean, I think it's like today's. Oh no, maybe not today's. It's an old one. Well, I I got, I got very, um, I got, I got very uh, confused. He posted on Twitter about being in Washington. And then there was a Washington Post article about him, but actually it's from 2020. So it's not a new article, but it was really nice from January 2020 about Bill Marler um, and what he's done since uh, uh, Jack in the Box. So anyway, I got there, there, there was, there was a mistake in my, in my thought process, but check out that, that article. Oh, wait, no, there's
0: no, but there's a, uh, there's a, something. Oh, saves a Dropbox. Yeah. 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 Now I saved it yesterday. Salmanella. Yeah. You saved it yesterday, but it's an article from, uh, yeah. January 19th, 2020.
1: Yeah, Well, and, and so what I wanted to do was ask you something that came up in this documentary. Sure. And, and it's something that I know Bill has been a real, um, proponent of, and it's something that, you know, i Full full disclosure, and I I think we've talked about it on the podcast, but I chair the co chair the board of directors of Stop Foodborne Illness Advocacy Group um, for foodborne illness victims and survivors of foodborne illness um, outbreaks and, and incidents. So, but there's been a lot of uh, press recently, and I think one of the reasons why Bill was. In DC this week was to talk to um, a, a subcommittee at, of Congress about a petition that he has driven forward with a coalition of people to to make certain serotypes of Salmonella adulterants in poultry, mm-hmm. and we we like you and I have talked a little bit about this, but I wanted to just bring it back up because I think it's really. I think it's really complicated. Like this is one where it it it's this one's difficult. (laughs) Like I I what and and so how I answered this in the documentary um, was they asked like what you know do you think that so and it was let me give you the the foundation and lead up right we had talked about how um, how much. Advancement had happened in food safety by naming O157H7 and subsequently all Shiga toxin-producing E. coli's as adulterants in ground beef and in um, in, in the in beef in beef products that are um, that are you know mechanically tenderized or or ground. And and that so so we we talked quite a bit about that. Then we then then this question came up was okay. So if if a lot of progress was made with sugar toxin producing coliform ground beef, what about naming, you know, five or seven serotypes of salmonella adulterants in poultry? And and so anyway, I want to. What are your what are your thoughts about that?
0: Well, so I think, so let me give you my recollection of how things went with the beef industry. Um, The industry kicked and screamed and protested and said, no, you can't do this. It's naturally occurring. People just need to cook their, their beef, blah, 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 blah. Happened anyway. They got religion around it, and now they love to talk about how they solve the problem. And if only everybody would do what they did, um, they could solve their problems too, right? Like that's my my brief history of eggoline in yeah. the beef industry. Um, and so, and and I'll also say from a risk assessment perspective, this is a risk management decision, right? It's a regulatory decision about what is the right thing to do, and it's going to cost money. And the industry doesn't like things like this that cost money. And it might make the food supply safer. So, I mean, you know, I, I think it's worth it's worth doing. I don't really have any skin in the game. I don't. I'm not. I don't work at a poultry company, right? I. Uh, I mean, there there are there are consequences right? Yes, there are are financial consequences. uh, But guess what, there's financial consequences when people get food poisoning, too. So, so deciding what to do. I mean, I'm all in favor of trying new things. And we certainly seem to continue to have a salmonella problem in this country. Now, what fraction of salmonella is due to poultry versus due to, you know, leafy greens or, or other products? I mean, that's a that's a discussion right i I, again you know cdc there's probably cdc risk attribution data that can help address that but yeah i mean i'm i i'm i don't really i don't really have a strong opinion except that i think we should try things and this might be something worth trying so yeah i I don't have a i don't have a real strong opinion so and i
1: i kind of talked similar to, to your answer there on this you know i i think that having this peti- petition and potentially pushing it forward to where it becomes a, a I guess the right terms it's a per- part of the performance standards
0: right um, well, there there's well there's already Salmonella performance standards, right. right. What this would say is if you fail, if you get a positive as part of your performance standard testing for one of these strains, we're now going to treat it as an adulterant. yeah different consequences, right.
1: Yeah. So, so I, and, and I think that that has a, a real like benefit of, of advancing the conversation. I think it gets difficult to actually do, but I'd much rather, and you know, kind of talk through this, like having less Salmonella arrive in restaurants or arrive in consumers homes is a good thing so anything that we can do to continue to drive that forward if this becomes something like as a as a threshold it actually reduces the cha- the the chances of exposure through handling or under cooking then i think it's i think it's worth exploring and and it's supportive but i think that the details are where and like anything in food safety the details are where some of this either can you can it either makes or breaks the the process what that exactly how what technology gets employed what it means and like you said the trade-offs that come with it um are are the the i think the unknowns but i'm i really appreciate both you know stop and this i think it's like an alliance for foodborne illness or something like that plus bill being part of this are pushing it forward because why why not right like why 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 say why not have those groups who really also don't have a whole lot of skin in the game saying it's just unacceptable for us to fall back on this being a um, you know naturally occurring so let's throw our hands up let let's actually try to push forward and what would happen if we made it an adulterant I think that that's I think that's a conversation worth worth having worth pushing forward
0: well but. <clears throat> You know, you I, I, and but the, to me, the more interesting question would be: Okay, what are the tools that we have in our toolbox to make poultry safer? And would it make sense, instead or in conjunction somehow, to enumerate right? And we've had this discussion. I know, I know folks in the in the the poultry. I think I think it's the poultry industry have have really said. You know, it's really. It's, it's not about prevalence, it's really about prevalence and concentration. Right, and, right. And I, and I think that's, so the question is, like the question is not, is, is will this thing, what, I mean, well, in, in one sense, the question is yes, what will this change, what effect will this change have on food safety? But I think a better, more interesting question is, what are multiple interventions? What are the costs and the benefits of multiple interventions And then let's design based on risk assessment. Right. Let's let's give the risk managers a risk assessment that says, look, here are the levers in the food safety system that you can pull. Here's what it costs to pull them. And here's the benefit that you get from pulling them. Let's figure out how we can get the greatest benefit for the least cost. Right. Like that, to me, is a much more interesting and fun and and risk assessment-y kind of discussion to have rather than, well, what does flipping this one switch, what does flipping this one switch do? Um, And again, it could be part of the same, part of the same activity. But to me, you know, I mean, discussions about, about testing and prevalence and concentration are way more interesting and fun and nuanced than a discussion about banning certain adulterants. But again, you know, Marler's the lawyer, right? He, he understands probably you know, and again, we're, I'm, I'm a scientist, I'm not a lawyer. Right. And so things that I might like to do as a scientist, because they're cool and fun and involve risk assessment um, might not be practical. I mean, maybe it's easier just to take a, to take a sort of a sledgehammer or a big, a big stick and just whack on this one thing. Um, Cause it might have a benefit on, on food safety. You know, I would much rather, would much rather have a discussion about, um, you know, uh, listeria tolerances in foods that don't support the growth. I think that's a, a much more yeah. uh, controversial point that, that may have a clear food safety benefit. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a, uh, it's not one of the things that I think a lot about, again, I'm, I'm more interested in the other, other questions that I've been, I've been rambling on about here. Well, no,
1: no. And I, and I think that th- this is, th- this is kind of what I wanted to talk to you about. It's, it's like ex- exactly as you, as you state the, and it becomes a a communication challenge, both with the listeria tolerance, as well as if we were to say, okay, salmonella at, at above this level, because it's both a prevalence and concentration conversation, um, it becomes an adulterant. How do we How do we best communicate that? And this is maybe you asking me this question because I don't know the answer to this. But what's the best way to communicate that to people on the outside of the food safety world that it's not like oh we allow a bunch of salmonella or a bunch of listeria in here willy nilly, but it's a thoughtful approach to risk assessment. Here are the ones that here here's the. Prevalence and concentration that matters, that that we really need to be focused on. That it's not just one or the other. And leading, going down this path of of having just a no, you know, no, no prevalence um, be be a threshold that we're that we're focused on. It, it doesn't it doesn't give us the the best, like maybe most efficient way to address this, or the best way to. Uh, to do it but i think it's a communications challenge and i and i think that the regulatory world wouldn't tell us this but i think they're they become worried about how am i gonna communicate that right like like how do i say that it's okay to have a little bit of this in in here but not a lot of it here are all the reasons why when that's it's a complicated message they they're much more interested in not the gray the gray communication
0: Um, yeah like like these salmonella a little bit bad these other salmonella really bad right, right? so right and, yeah and i understand like it's a much cleaner uh it's a much cleaner argument but it but it turns out actually if you dig into it it just seems like a clean argument it's actually just as messy right I, so it's yes. like, well, okay all of these these strains that that marler wants as adulterants well are they all equal or some riskier than others and undoubtedly some are riskier than others right yeah and so um, again, at some point, you have to draw the line and say, okay, above this line, these these are, you know, let's rank these and we'll figure out some sort of quantitative ranking for virulence and then let's rank them according to that and then at some point we have to draw a line and say, okay, above the line, uh, two virulent they are adulterants below the line, not really long enough to be an adulterant, right? And then right. you can maybe argue, well, okay, and then we're going to gradually, as the, as things get better, we're going to gradually ratchet that line down. But so you're again, I'm I'm sort of resorting, going trying trying to take something back to a quantitative argument because I just think that that's it's better to have things be more quantitative.
1: So. Yeah, well, and and I think what you're like what you're getting at is that's a risk based approach, right? And right. and the the thing I I think they've like, they, the, the federal authorities um, and regulators would certainly want to be in a risk-based space, but sometimes that conversation gets too complicated. So that, so, and that, I mean, that's what risk, you know, that's what risk based is all about is hitting these thresholds and having these, these arguments are um, coming to some sort of level of consensus on it. But, but there it's some, at some point you need to, draw a quantitative line that some might argue well, that's not just solely based on risk. It's based on other outside factors. Oh, that's, uh, that's, well that's, that's that's what risk management is. exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah, I, I think it's um, it, it, it may be, and unfortunately, th- like this discussion is not what we got into in the um, in the documentary. It was more like, it, you know, because it doesn't, this is for our podcast, right? Like that, that doesn't, um, th- this is the right format to get really in the weeds on this. For them, they're like, well, just give me the like, quick version. Do you think it's a good idea for this to be an adulterant or not? I'm like, well, I can give you like the four minute version, not the 20 minute version, which is better than maybe the 30 second version of this. So that's the, you know, where, where I kind of tried to try to go on it. But I think it was the question that I, dodged the most Mm -hmm. because i i didn't like i i didn't think it was it's not it's not a
0: 30 second question exactly even a four minute question right no you need the 16 extra minutes i don't know how long we've been talking about this but it is yeah it's it's like i mean again like my original reaction yeah sure it's fine let's try it but yes but you know we could try a lot of things
1: (laughs) right right right
0: let's, and let's think of let's think about the process of how we try things rather than is this a good thing right i want to yeah it could be a good thing i want i want to see it in the context of all the other good things we could do right 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 absolutely which is, which is not which is again this is why we do this podcast and why we don't make documentaries right it's a different that's a it's a
1: different form of media or entertainment or whatever it is art um so all right well we have got that. Um, one thing I wanted to also highlight in something that I put into uh our show notes. Um I'm gonna read you an amazing headline, Don. Um, Raleigh man charged with insurance fraud <laughs> after faking image to show a hair in his McDonald's burger, comma officials say. Um so this one, you know, not not often do I get a really good local food safety story that comes across my my email. Um, But this was a quick one. So um, officials accused Ronnie Bernard Truesdale of planting a hair on the burger after removing the wrapper. Truesdale also said the burger caused him to become nauseated. He filed an insurance claim with Zurich North America, an insurer for McDonald's, for pain and suffering, as well as fifteen hundred dollars and ninety five or fifteen ninety five in medical expenses. But then he was charged for with like felony attempting to obtain property by false pretense. So, I, you know, this was like whoa. There was a lot going on in this in this one, but uh, I, you
0: know, I. I yeah, Sir, not the least of which is his name being Ronnie Bernard Truesdale, which has got to be the best name ever, Ronnie Bernard Truesdale. So, but but here, here you
1: go. You've got a nice like. W- often we we've got this perception that fast food is is unsafe food, right? So you, so you can play on that a little bit if you're in the world of um, fraud, uh, and that maybe there's a hair like how much how many hairs? What's what's kind of wild about this is that I think. If we looked at the FDA guidance, right? Like, well, I guess it's rodent hair that we uh, that there are tolerances for. Are there yeah. are there tolerances for human hair on well, food? It's
0: a, it's a different regulation, right? This would be the North Carolina food code. Oh, true, I'm, sure, I'm sure the North Carolina food code does not allow hair in food of any sort. Yeah, true. So, and I, I
1: should have um, should be on my game a little more. Uh, oh,
0: you've just been to Washington. You're 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 on the cusp of being a documentary star. You're, you're I, it's not surprising you're off your game.
1: I'm just trying to be cool, Don. Um, so yeah, but you're you're right. It's um that, that's where this would be like adulterated with a, um a, a physical physical hazard um pot- potentially. So, but anyway, um yeah. Don't I guess the takeaway is. Don't mess with McDonald's by putting, you know, f- human hair in your food and taking a picture of it. I don't even know. Like I tried to find the court case where mm-hmm. I could find the actual documents. All there was was the that I could find was the um the the news article about this. But I wonder how this investigation went down. And
0: yeah, how did they find him, right?
1: Right. Yeah. And what like what it, it says in the article that he like doctored a, um, a photo, but then or or it says faking an image, but really didn't fake the image. It's not like he Photoshopped it. He just, it was a real image with a fake with real hair, but he fake put it there. Um, but yeah, I've never like I thought this was for, for 1500 bucks. It seems like a lot of money was, um, was, was, was spent right like there's a lot going on in this. well
0: but but yeah as insurance fraud hurts consumers uh says the north carolina insurance commissioner so maybe they're you know they're they're making a point but it also says uh it mentions multiple incidents right right? but it could and two dates
1: yeah i couldn't i just couldn't find
0: yeah this is a this is this is a you know this is not a great story I mean, it's got a headline, and it, we read it obviously, so clickbait worked. But there's, I, I got more questions. Having read this, I, I've got more questions.
1: Yeah, and maybe you know, maybe there's, maybe he's a cereal food fraud.
0: Oh, oh for sure. Yeah, I mean, if he, he, he's done it twice, and there are people out there that do this sort of thing.
1: Cereal, for sure, but not with cereal, with <laughs> but just with burgers, or maybe oh, with could, cereal. Could, as well. could be cereal too. You never could know. Be. Could be a, could be a hair in his Cheerios. Um, so anyway, I saw that, thought you'd be, uh, you'd be interested in, in chatting, Absolutely. chatting a little bit about that. Absolutely. Um, uh, we, uh, <laughs> there's some feedback. So there's a few other things in here. Do yeah. You wanna you want jump into feedback? Yeah, let's do some feedback. All right, so I guess this is sort of feedback. Don, we we've been a little bit delinquent in responding about guests, so here's the thing, <laughs> we we don't have all and, and for listeners of the show, yes, there have been guests on this show. I, I think maybe early in the the our iteration of food safety talk, we might have even had someone solicit us to be a guest. Where you you and I were like, okay, you could be a guest, but this is not the norm for us, right? Like we're not. We're not people aren't usually usually pitching us to be a guest destination, but we did get a really nice message uh, from someone who wrote it's been a couple of weeks since CNN published their investigative report on contaminated medical grade disposable gloves. I'd like to know if you'd be interested in exploring this topic further on your Food Safety Talk podcast, specifically how one particular vinyl glove distributor in the food safety space is committed to ensuring the highest standards for cleanliness and structural integrity. Steve R Ar- Ardog Ar- Arda Ardog Ar- Arda is the CEO of Eagle Protect and he refers to himself as the glove guy. Over two decades ago, after witnessing conditions similar to what was described in the CNN story, he founded the company in New Zealand, eventually relocating operations to the U.S. in 2016. So anyway, um, a publicist reached out to us to see if the R-Dog might want to come on our show. and Did you just call him the R-Dog? Yeah, that's it. Uh- Yeah, I just feel like that's the way it's pronounced. That's what I'm going to call the R-Dog. And uh, anyway, it's pronounced A-R-D-A-G-H, not R-D-O-G. I just wrote
0: R-D-A-W-G. Yeah,
1: D-A-W-G. We're we're going with R-Dog um so anyway not i mean
0: <laughs> here's the <laughs> thing he shouldn't be calling himself a glove guy he should be calling himself the r-dog we just got yeah. a better better nickname for him <laughs> he could have his own like catchphrase
1: of like people barking yeah or, yeah, or, exactly. or, or, or it sounds more like a seal how, what i just did i don't know but i don't know i mean well i i don't i don't think we're gonna have the glove guy on right
0: no no uh, even despite the fact that he's teamed up with uh, microbiologist barry michaels of the yeah. product safety oriented b michaels group
1: <laughs> the product safety oriented b michaels group is the is that the b dog can we have the b dog and the o dog on <laughs> our dog yeah. So anyway, like p- we appreciate people reaching out to us because it does give us some content to con- to talk about. But we're I think we're in a space right now where if you're going to be a guest on Food Safety Talk, it's because we've asked you to be a guest on Food Safety Talk because it's like something that we're interested in that that we
0: we and we did that with uh, Benjamin Schrager. A couple oh yeah, of, couple episodes yeah. ago. And and here's the thing, mostly Ben, I think we we want to have people on the podcasts who don't have publicists. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that would be a the for rule number one. Do you have a publicist? Yes. Okay. Sorry. Probably out. We'll Probably pass because we'll we don't we don't want we want to talk to people that don't have publicists. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're they're likely to be much have much more interesting conversations with us. Although I do want uh, to talk to we, so- <laughs> called our <the> dog. <laughs> Well, well we did. We did also briefly discuss our other podcast that we haven't started yet, where we just <laughs> bring people on, right? And then we just asked some food safety to questions. Talk over them about food safety while they're yeah. trying to promote whatever it is they're promoting. Uh, that'll be the
1: train wreck uh, of, a, of an episode. Ap- well, and I mean, calling back to our previous episode that we recorded once but did twice, um, <laughs> there's still we still have not heard from RD, uh, LD sledges. Um, publicist who we have invited on the show due to his <laughs> ghostwriting and <disbarring>, uh story, <laughs> and, and in fact, I I might have mentioned this in the last episode, but if not, what I'd really like is a serial style five or six episodes about like the life and times of LD Sledge because I think there's a lot there, but that's a different podcast. That's not a food safety talk. Um, maybe that's a food safety talk production, um, but uh, but yeah. So anyway, yeah, we don't I don't know. We're we, we're not usually uh, getting a lot of um, a lot of folks who are coming into our uh, uh, in, into our space un, uninvited. We don't have a lot of self-nominating guests.
0: right? It's like self-nominating yourself to be uh, the uh, important uh, award-winning uh, speaker at a, at, at a, at a major a conference. conference. <laughs> yeah,
1: right, right? You just can't. I mean I mean, you can do it but it's not a it's maybe not a good look um all right so um we got some uh oh i i do want to share some feedback that we got i don't know if it ended up making it into the show
0: notes well while you while you look for that I, i i'll also share some other feedback okay um which I do have here. And so this is from a friend of the pod, uh, Morgan, who writes, and this is good. So with respect to your question about FDA warning letter redaction in food safety 249, I believe the B4 you're seeing is a sensor citation of the particular statute of law that mandates the redaction. You see the same thing in a lot of declassified Manhattan project documents. And so just a, just a big, big thanks to to Morgan for, for that, uh, that information. So thanks. Huh, Morgan. Cool. Yeah. Thanks Morgan. Yeah. I pre- that's very, that's very cool. So well, and once again, once again, I have printed this from Twitter and I, I now don't have an actual link to the actual Thing that Morgan said, so we'll try to find that. Apologies, but thanks, Morgan.
1: So, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that that I, I hope it's not like talking too much out of what, telling tales out of school, but we got a really nice message from a certain someone who who is I would say fairly high up in the world of federal regulatory. Mm.
0: Oh yes, yes, yeah,
1: and and so I don't want I'm not gonna upset this individual, but but I, I want want to say. Um, we got a a nice message in relation to one of our episodes where this person um, highlighted that we, in our conversation with, um, with Benjamin Schrager, there was a couple of things that, that we glossed over a little bit. One was that the disclaimer about raw and undercooked foods is for restaurant or food service foods. So, so it's a, it's part of the federal food code. This was in relation to chicken sashimi and that there is a, disclosure and reminder as part of the food code that almost every state has adopted to use on um, menus, but it's not USDA FSIS uh, mandated. Um, And so it's not a federal requirement. I I think I answered that it was, but the nuance here that was pointed out, which is absolutely correct, is it's a model code that gets implemented at the state level. And so I I think that was, that was great. And in our discourse with this um, really, really lovely person in in front of the show um, uh, it it was mentioned that, um, that, that uh, this person finds our show entertaining and enlightening, even when Don says stuff like I like to tweak regulators noses. (laughs) And so, uh, so anyway, just a, a, a really, um a, a nice a nice call out and we had a, a really cool back and forth uh, um conversation and uh this individual said after you apologized um said that uh your apology is accepted on behalf of all regulators and so maybe we'll be able to have this person on um once they leave the uh the federal service uh but uh but yeah i just thought it was a great it was a cool cool uh conversation
0: yeah, and then I'll also say uh, another bit of feedback from uh, listener um, uh, Dolly, who writes on Twitter, um, uh, again, in response to episode 249, uh, it, it doesn't include non-death-related risks, but the micromort is the measurement of how likely you are to die from any given activity. And, and, and she links to the Wikipedia page on microMort. And then suggests perhaps f- for foods less serious food safety mishaps something called the micro chart, <laughs> which, which I think is also a really good idea. So yeah. Um.
1: So um, we we did a, uh, I, I guess we we've, we've done multiple podcasts uh, on um, cross contamination, but we we had a episode on risky or not about cross contamination of plant based foods. And, and meet back a, 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 a few uh episodes ago and so we got a message uh from someone who um didn't um sort of share who who their they're with or anything like that. But I think it was a really interesting uh, point and I think it's something that we might wanna do some follow up on. So um, the message goes, listen to your cross-contamination episode. Agree, there's a lot of inconsistency in labeling and handling instructions, specifically with plant-based foods or meats. As academics, It may be helpful to talk to someone who is in the day-to-day supporting companies from concept to commercialization and beyond as we navigate this crazy world of non-meat products. Nut milks are another huge arena. There is labeling. There are microbiological questions. There are NFP, complete protein um, there is what I term cooking instructions. If you'd like to discuss in a conversation, not on a podcast, i would be open uh, can of worms. So uh, I think we should maybe follow up with the, with, oh. with that listener about that. Cause I think it's,
0: I think there's a lot that we need to learn more about. So actually it's funny. You should mention that because I did have a follow-up conversation with this person. Oh, well do tell. So let me, let me go on I want to because I don't want to did uh, you record it is this I, no, a I did, no, no it's not on a podcast right I'm not on a, not, podcast. Not a podcast so um so let's see so um uh let's see uh what did I say I said thanks so she so the, the the listener writes um uh if you'd like to discuss in a conversation not on a podcast I'd be open can of worms and I wrote back and I and and I said thanks with no, and not to you just to the person, um, just sort of like just kind of giving them a brush off. <laughs> <And> then <laughs> the response is, "I'd love to chat sometime, Don. If not, have a great day." And I said, "Okay, how about Monday at uh, five Eastern?" And uh, and so we chatted and we and it was it turns out like they. Um, they have a company um, and their company is really, it's quite interesting. Um, they have a company that basically helps people who want to get into the food business. And we had really just a delightful chat. And I was, and I po- apologize. We became friends um, uh, and I apologized And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. I gave you a brush off because I really wasn't sure why you wanted to talk to me if it wasn't going to be on a podcast, because so this is a perfect example. This is somebody without a publicist. This is somebody who doesn't want promotion. They just want to make a connection. And so... I did. I did talk with them, and yeah, and so it, they they write. It's it's our mission to enable anybody to turn their great food idea into a viable commercial product. And it's a really it's quite an impressive team. If you go to their about page and you look at uh, who's on the team, it, it's really it, the leadership team is is quite impressive. There's there's four people that are on the leadership team, including one one person that that emailed us, and then they've got a constellation of consultants, and they and they basically it just i was just really i was just really impressed with what it is that they do i find it kind of hard to believe that they are a going concern and they can actually run a business like this but but it was really interesting. We had a, we had a great chat, and we're we're friends now. So oh, that's um, awesome. Good. Yeah. So so uh, that's you can check that off your to do list. Um, oh, perfect. So I had a conversation not on a podcast, and no. yeah, and it was mostly it was I mean it was a little bit about plant based meats, but mostly it was just me learning about their company and them learning about me. And I mean, I, I I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, and I typically turn them over to our food innovation center here in New Jersey, or I turn them over to uh, the uh, Northeast Food Venture Center at Cornell, but this is and they're and they're this company is based out in Nebraska, but but I mean they could they work with everybody, right? And it sounds like they are not, they work with all different size companies, and they're not av- averse to working with really small people that just have an idea about something that they want to make, and they they understand like there's people out there that probably just should not go into business, but but they're they're willing to talk to them. I just I was I was I just like I was just I was really really struck by. What a, what, a, what a great company they seem to be and what, what a great conversation we had. So, yeah. Very cool. Well, we had another bit of feedback on this and labeling
1: um, specifically to that episode on Beyond Meat mm-hmm. and plant-based meats. And so um, I'll, I'll read, read this um, message from the listener. Listen to your podcast. I want to share about labeling. I have done both FDA and USDA food labeling for 25 plus years. I have a lot of experience with this. FDA does not define rate-eat and not rate-eat foods like FSIS does. There are no FDA regulations that require these products to have any cooking instructions, period, regardless of if they do, if they are raw or cooked. That means the food company can do anything it wants to do on a label. I don't anticipate that FDA will change their regulations unless there are several food safety recalls, and then we'll take them years to do so. Um, Don, just I wanna put a, a marker in the podcast, a trigger alert for um front of the show, Mickey, right now. Um <laughs> The uh, interesting thing about FSIS food safety labeling regs is that outside of the safe handling regulations and the cooking validation regulations for tenderized meats, which are CFRs, the rest of FSIS labeling regulations are found in the FSS FSIS Listeria Guidance. Um, uh, I always hop to help you with food labeling, and getting the label facts right. I have food labeling information on social media starting next year um, called The Dark Art of Food Labeling. So cool. yeah. Yeah. So that was good. I mean, good additional, um, information. I think our, our conversation in that episode was you know, certainly around the regulatory aspect, but also what should the company be doing? What, right. Like not just what are they required to do? So, but thanks to the listener, um, uh, about follow up on, on that. That was, that was really, really insightful. And I look forward to getting a really good, um, snarky message from, uh, from the show, Mickey um, from deep, deep retired fed, uh, who, who has sent us a couple of really great, um, um, uh, messages recently about food safety talk 245, where we talked about, uh, roosters and in 249, mm-hmm. he said, um, try listening at half speed. You sound either drunk or high. I'm going with high. <laughs> so, um, how about we go to? Um, I think there's another piece of feedback here.
0: Yeah, I'm, so this was great feedback about the dark art of food labeling. I'm, and there, of course, it's it's doesn't exist, the site doesn't exist yet, and so there's no way to link to it. I, I feel bad that we can't, we can't find a way to promote this person, but I guess, anyway, uh, uh, if you're listening, uh, and you might be, although it's, that was risky or not feedback, uh, by all means, reach out to us when your site launches and we'd be happy to link to it and, and talk about it and maybe even have you as a guest, assuming you don't have a publicist. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so next
1: bit of feedback. Uh, comes to us from um, front of the show, somebody who listens uh, and has sent us a lot of feedback. Um, and I think we had a name for this individual. So I can't remember what it was, but he did say that it's okay to, to share all details freely. So it's listener show, John Kimball. And so he sent us a link to a paper about biofilms um, as it relates to um, SARS-CoV-2, which is a really cool read and something that we've added to the list of, um, things that, that we're looking at uh, as part of um, uh, our uh, Food CoviNet project, but he wrote this. I saw this and I thought I sent it over a link because it raises an interesting idea that I hadn't considered. COVID-19 or um, you know, SARS-CoV-2 or other viruses being harbored within bacterial biofilms in a facility. Food facilities staff often only perform environmental swabs for a few specific pathogens. For example, I've commonly seen swabs for Listeria and St. Manila. So there's a potential for other organisms to develop biofilm and go undetected, leading to the harborage of pathogenic viruses within the film. I guess I'm just surprised it hadn't occurred to me before. And it makes me think about environmental risks in a new way. And so this this paper um, wasn't about... SARS-CoV-2, leading to um, bio, you know, forming um, biofilms. But it was, um, you know, the the paper um, is entitled "A Biosafety Level Two Surrogate for Studying SARS-CoV-2 Survival in Food Processing Environmental Biofilms." So essentially, looking at studying this um, by creating biofilms and then dropping SARS-CoV-2 into the biofilm. Uh, and so I, th- I think it was, uh, you know, I, I think it's useful information for us to look at. And this comes to us uh, from our colleagues, um, at Texas A&M. So we'll link to that in, in show notes, but yeah, it was something that came across our radar last week as well. Uh, and we've been talking a little bit internally about it. Yeah. Um, Uh, Oh, Don, I've got a question for you. Sure, go ahead. How should you wash your produce? (laughs) This comes to us uh, from really from, I think, Apple News, but it's from a publication called The Takeout. It's an article entitled, Let's Have a Frank Conversation About Washing Our Produce. Should you wash your produce with baking soda? yes or no
0: what do you think don um well first of all we should be having this conversation with frank <laughs> <laughs> because because uh, neither of us are named frank um we do know a frank I, we don't know a frank he he's probably too busy to have a conversation with us um he's busy making food safe um you know, I don't use baking soda. I don't. Uh, I don't remember why this came across our desk. Uh, this is an interesting article. Um, I'm poisoning my body with every walking breath. I know it. If I'm not ingesting toxic chemicals from my cleaning products, I'm absorbing heavy metals from my bath water. I mean, it's it kind of goes on and on from there. Um, yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a discussion about pre-bagged lettuce and washing lettuce. I, yeah, I don't. I don't wash my. I I, I wash my lettuce uh, under. Um, water, you know, using water. Um, I discard any pieces that are obviously damaged or bruised or slimy or disgusting. Um, you know, with lettuce and then with produce, like we have, uh, we have, um, tomatoes on a salad most every night. Uh, we like the little, the little, uh, uh, cherry tomatoes, uh, and I'll rinse them just under the cold water for a few seconds. Um, yeah, I'm not real obsessive about produce washing. So that's what I do. How about you? Yeah, I don't I don't use baking soda and
1: that, you know, that was kind of nominally what part of this uh, um, article is about is um, Cook's Illustrated a few years ago, ran an experiment. And I've put that in Richard Fingers, Don. Yeah. Um, using grapes that showed high levels of pesticides, the outlet then soaked the grapes in a baking soda and water solution for 15 minutes. When they rinsed and dried the grapes, they applied a chemical testing strip and found that the pesticides
0: had been eliminated. There's a lot of words there. Right? There's a, right? and, it, and this apparently was uh, work done by a food scientist at the University of Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, but that's, oh, that's a, the that's a study. Oh, so the, there's actually published data and then they tried to replicate it using a test strip. I don't think. I don't, I don't think pest test strips are, that seems weird. We, we purchase pesticide detection cards that can identify commonly used pesticides. I, this does not really seem like a good experiment, Ben. (laughs) No, this is not a good experiment. How did they, how did they know that they had, I mean, typically it's really, my, my, my friend and, and departed colleague, Joe Rosen, uh, I did a lot of testing of fresh produce for pesticide. And you know what he found most of the time when you test fresh produce for pesticides, you don't find it because most of the time it's not there. Right. I mean, it's very common to find it at levels that are below the what the what the regulations allow. And it's very, very rare to find it at levels above what the regulations allow.
1: Uh, Yeah. So here's here's what they did, Don now now that we're looked we're we're jumped we're we're jumped into this i'll yeah. send you the link they used some test strips from amazon oh
0: that, well, that's what i always do
1: yeah pe- pesticide test strips by Renaco bio pesticide test kit pesticide testing equipment home use science fair projects vegetables fruits marijuana 20 tests
0: <laughs> okay
1: a lot of words there a lot of, yeah, lot of a lot words. of interesting words
0: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Yeah. um so you get, uh, they're compact, fast, easy to use, no equipment necessary. It, uh, these pesticide test strips are coated with chromogenic reagents and choline steroterase stereot enzymes. The pesticide detection cards can be used in detecting residue of organophosphorus and carbamate, which is widely used in pesticide and contain high toxicity. The pesticide detection cards made out of high quality materials with anti-jamming capacity. That's what I look for in my detection cards. And and what I think of, Don, when I think of anti-jamming capacity is really that great scene in Spaceballs where um, (laughs) we've been jammed. um, Strawberry, I think. Uh, it can be used independently without equipment or reagents. They are easy to be stored and easy to carry. Perfect, and this is in bold, Don. Perfect for home testing and school science fair projects. Oof! It's, wow. So, anyways, uh, they yeah. bought those. They tested their marijuana, and uh, found that uh, grapes grapes with baking soda are, are tasty to eat if you soak them for 15 minutes. Right? I think I, I think that's the experiment.
0: Yeah, I, I've got so many questions about this uh, experiment and c- controls and whatnot. I mean, there is, there is there is, actually some science. If you dig down and click through enough links, there is an article uh, that was published in uh, Ag and Food Chemistry, Journal of Ag and Food Chemistry, which is a legit ACS journal, uh, includes a bunch of co-authors, including uh, Amanda Kinchla. Who we oh, know we know from, her. Uh, we know her from UMass. And there's some other folks uh, she's a, one of the middle authors on this, but we know Amanda. Um, yeah, and in this, and, and this published paper, they actually maybe did some actual science. Um, yeah, the overall effectiveness of the method to remove all pesticides diminished as pesticides penetrated deeper into the fruit. In practical application, washing apples with sodium bicarbonate solution can reduce pesticides, mostly from the surface. Peeling is more effective to remove the penetrated pesticides However, bioactive compounds in the peels will be lost too. See, now that sounds like science. <laughs> right, right. That sounds like real, real science. Um, buying test strips
1: uh, or cards that are perfect for schools and home um, might not be uh, the best way to, to establish that you should be soaking all of your grapes in baking soda for 15 minutes.
0: But what if mm-hmm. I want to see if there's any pesticides on my marijuana band?
1: Right. Well, what if I don't want to eat baking soda <laughs> on my grapes? Uh, so I know where I mean. I know where this came from, and this is one of the the reason why I wanted to talk about this is mm-hmm. you know I am a avid consumer of Apple News. Um, uh, I, I, I'm sure that I'm targeted by an algorithm for things. I have a oh yeah. I got a food safety search that I look at all the time.
0: Oh, so um, that's how this came across your desk? Is yeah. is Apple News? Okay.
1: Yep, yeah, Apple News, and uh, and and so so when I see things in Apple News, I'm like, oh, this is. This is kind of interesting. Um, and so, uh, then I looked at it and I was like, oh, this, this is, nope, I was wrong. This is not interesting
0: (laughs) at all. Well, it's a segment on the show. I mean, it it was an interesting dive into something that had a little bit of science at the end, a part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Kind of, kind of. Um, so yeah. And I'm all in favor of kids doing science and stuff like this, but I, you know, and this is, uh, yeah, I got some I just not a uh, how, how did they even know how did they even know how did they find the grapes? How did they know they were highly our contaminated? Experiments, we chose grapes that were yeah, which are among the dirty dozen, okay. Oh. We used the cards to confirm that there were indeed pesticides on the surface of grapes. Okay. We submerged some grapes in baking soda, set a timer. Okay. Wait, we, we tried other cleaning methods, swirling them in the solution, rinsing under cold water, soaking in a vinegar solution. I mean, it is sort of sciency. Sort of. There were but, only two methods that turns the card to blue, indicating both were effective at removing pesticides. Uh, carbamate and organophosphate tend to break down. So they, yeah. So they, all right. So what they're saying is that the pesticides broke down because of the sodium yeah. bicarbonate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Y- okay. Y- you could use lye too. Why <laughs> is yep. alkaline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm just not. I mean it's it's all right. It's sort of it's sciencey-ish. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. They got they got properly labeled uh experiment here. One percent baking soda. They they're pushing they're pushing the the fruit down underneath the water with the other thing. Yeah. In, in the picture. Yeah, it's uh I mean, science-y. So science-y? Yeah. science, science, like truthiness,
1: truthiness. Yeah. scienceiness. Um, So the other one that I got from Apple news that I just uh, texted you for, our, for our links is uh, really this one's, I read this article for the pictures because the pictures were amazing. So this is an article that appeared in the daily mail, new food poisoning warning issued oh. for Australian homeowners. Yes. And yes. the headline clickbait, right? I thought, outbreak, illnesses, something happened. But no, the warning really is that your fridges are, um, your Australian homeowners have been urged to check their fridges over food poisoning fear. Really, it's about checking your fridge to make sure it's at the right temperature. Because it's, it's. I don't know if you knew this, Don. it's food safety week in, in down under. In the australia world
0: huh uh, yeah no, i think i knew that i think i saw a thing on facebook from our some of our down under friends that so, gather yeah. on thursday after evenings
1: yes so there are about four million cases of food poisoning in australia each year um many of those may be linked to uh not having fridge temperatures right i don't know um but anyway, this is, there's a lot of really good Shutterstock photos. My favorite being, which I'm gonna describe cause this is an audio format, not visual. Uh-huh. There is um, just a mess of food all stuck in this uh, fridge including egg salad, deviled eggs, a charcuterie plate. What looks like multiple frozen burger patties um, all over the, the place, um, which I think will thaw, but they look like they're frozen burger patties. Then there's what was pointed out to be by our friend, um, Michelle Danilock, which I agree with a bowl of poutine, uh, on the top shelf. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just, it's just a mess. And then my favorite, my absolute favorite picture is, Another picture further down with the caption, the Food Safety Information Council reported there are 4.1 million cases of food poisoning in Australia each year. And the stock image is a a, (laughs) a woman who has opened up her empty fridge and is holding what appears to be a a Tupperware container full of water, but she's holding her (gasps) nose like it smells really bad. And so I thought that was one of the best uses of Shutterstock um i getty images uh i stock photos uh but anyway so yeah food poisoning i wouldn't say if i'm worried about foodborne illness in the home i wouldn't say that fridge temperature was the top of my list of something it's a it can be a factor but it's not at the top of my list of things that i
0: would talk to people about i would say using a thermometer is right well yeah, I mean, certainly, I think certainly it's a good idea to have your fridge cold. Um, the other thing I would recommend, once your fridge is down to the proper temperature, another relatively good piece of food safety advice would be to cover any foods that are in that fridge. Like, for example, that charcuterie plate that is sitting underneath those frozen, uh, slacking out burgers that are in plastic. That's a... Yeah, that's bad. And, well, and, the, and the, actually, there's some burgers sitting next to that charcuterie plate that are kind of leaned up against it. <clears throat> yep not good I, i'm 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 thinking there's some issues there some yeah some potential cross contamination issues there and why are why are the shelf
1: stable dole fruit cups in the back of the fridge those can just go in the pantry yep yep There's a lot um, of
0: bottled water in that fridge
1: a lot of a lot of eggs a lot of egg products the egg salad um deviled eggs both of which which we did have a conversation about both of which i would not eat not be and also gosh how smelly is your maybe that's why she's holding her nose is because <laughs> as soon
0: as she opens up her fridge it smells like eggs oh no it's a different fridge different fridge
1: yeah
0: and I'll, I'll say there is there are some things in this person's fridge it looks like maybe that same charcuterie plate <laughs> <laughs> you're right maybe, a, maybe that is got a, a big bowl of
1: lettuce or all of lettuce, grapes bottle grapes? of red maybe wine grapes Some grapes. Maybe those are the baking soda grapes. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, good, good, good laugh from uh, Apple news, food safety searches. Um, So yeah, I I find it really interesting that what comes up in the tag of food safety in this, like that's part of the reason why I've been um, following this is to see
0: you know, here's going to tell you, you say you're interested in food safety. What does Apple think that you want to see?
1: Yeah. And what they say is <laughs> British pies to be banned from EU and less ingredients come from approved farms, new star rating in Dubai will honor restaurants for sustainable practices. Um, but there was a really good article that I, that I actually got elsewhere. It was published last week, um, in popular science, um, Entitled "How Do You Track a Salmonella Outbreak?" A data journalist followed the DNA trail to slaughterhouses, and I won't go into too much detail on this. We'll link to it in show notes, but I thought yeah. it was a good, well-presented article yeah. about microbial, um, well, about sort of whole genome sequencing and and how NCBI works um, in trying to find lineage of of pathogens um, that in an in an outbreak investigation. So. But my favorite part of this article is PFGE is dead, long live WGS. And I don't know, Don, that might be on the back of the 2022 food safety talk t-shirts. Yes. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good, it's a, it's a nice line. PFGE is dead, long live WGS. I like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what else? You know, I think we went through all of our feedback. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about?
0: No, I think I think I'm good.
1: Unless there's something else you want to talk about. No, I'm I'm good too. I think uh, I think that's I think that's a show where we're where uh, this this one I can promise you, Don. I did record it. Um, I,
0: I can see that. can yes, see, it's recording. It says,
1: it says it's recording.
0: So we did we did it in one take. Now this- we did we did we were a little bit fast and loose because we we started you started it and then I think maybe did you turn off the recording and then you turn it back on or something I did and mainly because there was a bunch of stuff of of dead air at the start yeah exactly and that's what and I think I shared what I do is I we're set to auto record um, the um, uh, food science seminars and then I turn it off and turn it back on again just to kick, to cut that, that beginning part out where we're just, where we're just chatting and leading up to the seminar. And I did, we didn't, I I still, I still click the wrong button all the time. I want to always like with the, with the podcast I want to record locally with the webinar and with the New Jersey affiliate things. I always want to go to the cloud, but sometimes I forget and I record it locally and then I've got to post it on, on YouTube. Uh, but I'm getting good at that. So anyway. I'm just dithering at this point
1: <laughs> no it's, this is this is all good. it's all it's all fodder for the for the uh, podcast uh um community <laughs> uh all right um well, I think this is where I awkwardly say goodbye so
0: bye this this has been another episode of food safety talk Uh, if you want to follow us you can listen to the other
1: podcast where we do an outro where we do an actual (laughs) outro yeah if you're here if you've gotten this far you know what you're here for so you don't need to find us anywhere else um and and i don't like like some of the podcasts that we listen to we mentioned you know every podcast is some listeners first show i don't think this is anybody's first show but i think they if they if they're here they they've found us before you know or maybe i don't know maybe that is someone's first show
0: if it's your first show send us an email send us yeah we'll read it on the air unless you're a publicist
1: yeah yeah exactly unless you're uh our dog all right (laughs) bye bye Hey, so my voice is like almost back. I know it, yeah. it might sound, it feels really good. Like there's a little bit on the outside, but I'm like, I'm feeling really, really good. So I can't sing like I used to yet, um, <laughs> but but it's but it's good for podcasting. It's my money maker, Don. Uh-huh. All the, all the non money we make on the podcast. Um, perfect. So I'm going to try and turn this one around so we get it out next week, before, if that's before okay. Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah whatever. whatever, it's fine. Um, all right, so let's look at, could you do the week of dis, um, the 29th of November, but more specifically, could you do December 2nd?
0: I could, but uh, in the morning.
1: Yeah. Could you do between 8.30 and 11? Yeah, sure. Okay. What time would be... I have a meeting that's going to end at 8.30. Do you want to
0: just schedule for 9? Go. Let's we'll, do we'll, 9. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. Yeah, 9 to 11 works quite well for me. Awesome. Good. Generally.
1: That's, it's going to be two, 60, 2.51. I think we just... I almost oh. went 250 to 260. We're only we're counting by tens, but we just we just recorded our our, our sesquicentennial. Oh man. Episode. And we didn't I, even mention it. I think that's what it is, right? 250? Yeah. Oh uh, 250 year
0: anniversary. Oh. 150 is sesquicentennial. This is the semi Quincentennial. <laughs> we're, just, we're learning 250 words. 150 years anniversary called. Semi-quincentennial. Ses- Sestercentennial.
1: Sestercentennial centennial. centennial or quarter millennial. Oh, nice. This is we're doing this in preparation of the United States semi-quincentennial <clears throat> or Sestercentennial centennial of July 4th, 2026.
0: Semi quincentennial by sen Oh, <laughs> what quarter, quarter millennials best that's the or, or 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 sester centennial, those two are easy to read. I don't know what that that Princeton University one is. Look at that, that's oh, nonsense. so weird. So, so weird. Anyway,
1: 250 years, cool. 250 years. Well, we'll,
0: we'll, we'll link to the Wikipedia article on anniversary.
1: Yeah, I remember. remember the word sesquicentennial? Oh I do too yeah because now is that was that the 200 and, no it was 150 years. 150. So what what did you
0: celebrate that was 150 years ses, ses, sesquicentennial? So oh, I don't have, know maybe I'm just imagining things. Oh, you know I'm thinking of bicentennial yeah uh, and we'll, well link we'll link to that great loud and way to song. Well so Toronto's
1: sesquicentennial, was when I was a like a grade student or an elementary student, it was like 150 years of the city of Toronto. I remember, like, we all did something like release balloons that that killed turtles <laughs> to celebrate the 150 years of the city of Toronto. It was March. I found it, March fourth, 1984. I I was there, Don. This uh, the, the and I for whatever reason that word is stuck in my head um for since march 4th since i was uh, almost 5 years old 6 years old
0: wow toronto sesquicentennial i just sent you a link to it oh you did oh thanks yeah it was in a link of the toronto sun
1: oh look this is this is phenomenal this is written by mark Filey in 2014 as with most people i have a number of special events that will always stay embedded in my memory the first, of course, is my wedding day. The next is my classic turquoise and white 1955 Pontiac Laurentian when it arrived in the driveway. Um, it was a birthday present for my wife. But then the third, as we go down, um, uh, oh, well, no, I, I don't know. It was about the Centennial. I remember that day. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> I guess he, he remembered it because of uh, happy birthday, Toronto. Look at that. There was a nice, nice picture of a streetcar. It was painted for the Sesquicentennial.
0: Well, I remember America's bicentennial, uh, and then I also remember later hearing Loudon Wainwright's amazing song uh, "Bicentennial," which again we're, we, we are linking to. So there's going to be after-show show notes for this one, folks. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we because we didn't we didn't know it was our Sesquicentennial or whatever. <laughs> so Loudon Wainwright, are you talking about Loudon Wainwright III? Wait, Loudon the III. Yes.
1: So. Fun Fun Loudon Wainwright the third, um stuff. He was born mm. here in Chapel Hill, or not here in Raleigh. Oh, so there's like a yeah, like a real connection. Also, he um, like his son Rufus Wainwright. Yeah, um, like yeah, phenomenal. Rufus, he has
0: he, he has a Loudon has a song called Rufus is a Tip Man. <laughs> um which uh, actually turns out uh is, is not the case he's not <laughs> yes but it was referring <laughs> when to he was his young, uh, he was breastfeeding yeah. yeah so
1: but he um one of his are um so he toured with Sloan just to mm. bring it always back to, to Sloan. one of the I, I saw him perform like four times on that tour and uh there's a sloan song on between the bridges called um something about um poor boy, Take good care of the poor poor boy, that is about uh, Rufus Wainwright. Well, how about that? Yeah, but anyway, Loudon Wainwright was also in um, a, a show that I really really liked. Uh, that oh. uh, yeah. what, what was it called? But it was from uh, okay. where, where is it? Um, it was from from Judd Apatow. And yeah i know
0: i know the show you're thinking of i i never watched undeclared it. uh yeah yeah
1: yeah so he was he was the dad in undeclared so anyway north carolina sloan undeclared bicentennial good job Loudon wainwright the third never never saw him but i'd love to see him oh see yeah him i saw him
0: uh yeah he's he's great i i saw him when I was in college, my friend, Mark Booth, who probably doesn't listen to the show, was from Rhode Island and Rhode Island features in a lot of Loud and Wainwright songs, for whatever reason, I'm not sure why. Maybe he had family there, um, or maybe, maybe at that, time, I'm just conflating them in the head. We saw him in Rhode Island, I think. Um, and then Kristen and I saw him at one point later at a library, a public library here in uh, New Jersey. Yeah, he's cool. he's great. Very prolific. Yeah, very cool.
1: All right, we'll check it out. All right. Well, 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 yep. Good. Okay. Well, right. I will. Uh, I don't know. I'm just like reading Loudon Wainwright's uh, <laughs> Wikipedia page now. So what we what we He's do? He's a
0: really interesting guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He was. He, um, I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna download some of his stuff and listen to it.
0: Yeah. I, I I really I I have a bunch of his stuff and I don't listen to it often enough. Um, it's because it's always good. It's very catchy. He saw Bob Dylan at the Newport
1: Music Festival in 1963, and that's why he became a, uh, this is according to the Wikipedia page, uh, that's how he he
0: became a folk singer. We've talked about, he has a wonderful song called My Biggest Fan. Yes. Um, There's Bob and there's Neil and there's me, but he's my biggest fan. Yes. Um, Yeah. So good.
1: All right. Sounds, sounds. I'm, I'm going to go now. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> okay. Loudon Snowden Wainwright III. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that's right. That's what it says. Loudon Snowden Wainwright III. Is that
0: really his is middle name? Really?
1: Snowden? Snowden. Yeah. And he is oh, a. He, he is a great, great. His great, great grandfather was the politician and di- diplomat, A. Loudon Snowden. Oh Archibald? I wonder, Loudon, I wonder if Snowden. it's
0: any relac- relation
1: to the other Snowden dude. I don't know. He was politically Snowden was a Democrat until he switched into being a Republican. <laughs> he was a chief coiner at the Philadelphia Mint. Look at this guy. Man, I don't have anybody in my lineage that has a cool Wikipedia page like this. Yeah, the closest uh, thing I've got is my uh, third cousin married someone who's sort of half related to uh, Stan. Uh, um, Stan not stan lee stan lee <laughs> no no the other stan not stan bailey stan stan um
0: canadian lee, uh the, the guy in kiss no canadian, paul stanley <laughs> paul
1: stanley canadian <laughs> folk singer how do i not remember this guy who sang barrett's privateers Stan Rogers. stan rogers stan rogers remember right. I, well, I'm, we're I'm, we are
0: not going to link to that in show notes because i'm trying to put this one to bed
1: I'm I'm uh there you go uh I'm re- I'm not related to this guy at all but <laughs> but there you go all right that's a show I'll talk to you later bye bye